Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Alan Kohler here with this week's interview, and today it's with Lord Maynard Desai, Emeritus Professor at the London School of Economics. And yes, he's an economist who's taking cryptocurrencies and blockchain seriously. Now, anyway, Lord Desai's topic of choice at next week's conference is monetary and macroeconomic policy implications of the coming blockchain economy. So I thought I'd give him a call in London to find out more about what he's talking about. He's one of the few economists out there who's taken cryptocurrencies and blockchain seriously, as I said, despite calling the whole thing absurd during our interview. Lord Desai is also helping the government of Mauritius set up regulations for cryptocurrencies, which is where we begin our discussion. So here's Lord Maynard Desai, Emeritus Professor at the London School of Economics. Well, uh, Lord Desai, perhaps we should start with um, the work that you're doing in Mauritius and the um, the committee that you're a part of. What yeah. um, what, what are you doing? What, what's Mauritius, the government of Mauritius, trying to do and what are you helping? Well, Mauritius, yeah. The Mauritius government is basically invited some of us over there to look at how they can encourage uh, uh, exchanges in cryptocurrencies to, to start up in Mauritius, but how they can regulate them. So that while the activity will come there, it will be it will be clean and uh, and legal and have all the KYC norms satisfied and things like that. So we have to set up sort of uh, rules and regulations to, as it were, police the people who deal deal in in, in, in cryptocurrencies and bitcoins and things like that. And do, along do believe, the way, we also do, yeah. Do you so, believe that Do you believe that a government like Mauritius or any government for that matter can really embrace blockchain in particular can can embrace cryptocurrencies no you know it's they're not embracing the crypto what they're saying is if they allow people to trade to set up exchanges in cryptocurrencies what sort of uh, qualifications those dealers should have what kind of solvency regulations what kind of kyc norms they would have to follow so that uh, things like money laundering are not sheltered uh, in 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 those in those exchanges so it's very important that uh, uh, you know we we have some sort of regulation of people who deal in cryptocurrencies i've been to india you know because i'm from india and i have talked to people who who have sort of who are dealers in cryptocurrencies now they right now self regulate because there is still a discussion going on in the government of india is how they are going to deal with cryptocurrencies and bitcoin things like that the government of india hasn't made up its mind as to what this animal is so they are not officially regulating it while the industry wants themselves to be regulated because they want to make quite sure that you know the people who come into this industry are reasonably straightforward honest people see there's a big growth going on and what we need is to set down certain sort of rules so that people who come are as, as i said solvent they are legal they follow uh, kyc norms and things like that but don't want to stop them or ban them or anything like that because that just makes a situation worse. So we have to think of these regulatory structures because it's a new thing. A lot of governments are simultaneously thinking of what kind of uh, structure they'll have. 
They're not going to regulate blockchains because that, that's not possible. But what they are going to do is they're going to uh, try and regulate the people who deal in cryptocurrencies or people who do initial coin offerings and things like that. I think you, Lord Desire, are a very unusual economist in that you're taking cryptocurrencies seriously. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, read, I read something today uh, by Nouriel Roubini saying that, um, uh, saying that blockchain is the most overhyped technology ever. And uh, he and most economists that I've spoken to and read um, think don't, don't take it all, at all seriously. What is it about cryptocurrencies that you think is worth taking seriously? Yeah, you know, first of all, I think where, where it started, and I've written about this, but had Bitcoins not been called a coin, but just a token, we would have a much clearer perspective on what's going on. Cryptocurrencies are not currencies, and Bitcoins are not coins. They are assets which people buy and sell. Assets with no no use value, no real value at all. They're not useful, but they are things that people seek as stores of value, as, as an economist would say. Now, the thing is, you only buy a cryptocurrency in the hope of selling it because there's no other use for it. These are just tokens. Now, it just happens that lots of people think they can make money out of buying and selling these tokens. So the market is purely a speculative bubble market. But, you know, if grown-up people want to do uh, absurd things, let them do the absurd things. We have to make quite sure that along with those things, uh, you know, things like money laundering do not get into uh, as, as, a, as a way of, uh, uh, you know, uh, perpetuating themselves by using cryptocurrencies. So we have to have cryptocurrencies as a, you know, as a voluntary speculative market without any of the a sort of a um, sort of terrorism oriented thing or money laundering oriented thing. And that that is something we have to take seriously because cryptocurrency markets are growing at an incredible rate. And yes, so you we have to wake it, up and you just called it absurd. Yeah. Sorry? You, you just said it was absurd. I mean, you, you said that if people, if grown-up people want to do absurd things, then that's what they should be allowed to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean absolutely. People, people speculate in gold. People speculate in land. All sorts of things. But, you know, all we can do is tell the grown-ups that if you get into this market, the risk is yours. You know, all we can do is make quite sure that people who are the dealers, who, who are kind of buying and selling cryptocurrencies, are clean people, are clean, honest people. Then you take, you as a punter, take the risk of gains and losses. Do not blame the government or anybody else for that. This is your responsibility. Only grown-ups should go into these markets. But I don't think one can prevent these things. Once an uh, invention like this has happened, it's very difficult to suppress it. So you have to regulate it. What, what do you think of initial coin offerings? Well, it's again, the same sort of thing arises. You know, again, you, you're persuading the people to buy some tokens. Now, some of those tokens, I mean, depending on the condition of the ICO, some of the tokens say, oh, you know, if our company finally prosper, starts and prospers, you will get a sort of an equity. Others, uh, other coin offerings are saying, oh, you know, when, when our company, uh, you know, flourishes, you can buy our goods for 10% or 15% concession. So you are selling people some kind of tokens, which are sometimes equities, but most often they are just, they are just commodities which are 
they promise that you can catch them uh, in the future. And, and I think the initial con offerings are even more, more sort of a, uh, com- complex and kind of a peculiar way. But, you know, billions of pounds and dollars have been raised by people doing ICOs. Right now, uh, the, the, the money raised by ICOs is exceeding what what venture capital uh, companies used to do. I mean, so seriously into billions. So there's something about this device of raising money. It's sort of like crowdfunding. Something about this, because you're offering somebody a token, a coin, as it's called, people are tempted to buy it. Now, again, what we have to see is, is this a clean operation or are people being taken completely for a ride? And 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 so the condition for for offering ICOs and so on uh, is going to be very important. And the OECD is taking up this question very seriously because they feel that you know, as a as a kind of a as an organization for developed countries, they ought to keep an eye on this because uh, financial stability uh, problems are involved in this. And um, uh, do you think that blockchain itself is a big deal or is it overhyped? Well, the blockchain it's itself big. is a very big deal. The blockchain itself is a very big deal. I was reading the other day, maybe you, you must have read it as well, how uh, this uh, Louis Dreyfus firm, uh, did a did a big uh, uh, sort of sale in soybeans, six hundred thousand tons, uh, to a Chinese company, and apparently the fact that they did it all through blockchains meant the thing. You know, you have to prove that you got uh, you got credit papers available and this and that. All those things could be done without intermediaries because they were simultaneously talking to each other through blockchains. And because blockchains cannot be falsified by one party, you had a very, very clean operation. Now, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a blockchain operator, but what seemed to me that what people are saying that increasingly, if in mergers and acquisitions and things like that, blockchains could be used, you would cut out a lot of intermediaries and you'll reduce the transaction costs. Now, you know, that is one thing that we ought to really go into very seriously. Forget about Bitcoin, forget about cryptocurrencies. The big impact might be on business transactions. And if business transactions can be simplified by blockchains, why not? And and do you, do you see it as a, a primarily a, a cost reduction uh, process? Absolutely. You know, it, it is like, like most sort of technical uh, 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 innovations that it's going to offer us a new way of doing, uh, doing these sort of transactions, which has not been done before. Uh, so apparently, you know, normally you, you have to have your own lawyers and the bankers and they're lined up on both sides and people have to check each other's papers and so on. And through blockchains, it can be done, you know, almost instantaneously. Uh, you know, so, having having read about this Louis uh, Dreyfus case, I'm I'm very interested. Maybe more and more cases like that will happen. And if we can keep track of how businesses use, uh, you know, in 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 uh, in, in their operations uh, across across borders, that will be a fantastic uh, thing. Because at least. Uh, Given that it's a distributed ledger, uh, you know, you have identical information and nobody can singly uh, alter it. Uh, so th- those are the two, two great advantages of blockchains as far as I can see. And uh, why not? 
that's one of the problems with blockchain has been that people have equated it with the speculative bubble of um, cryptocurrencies, in particular Bitcoin, yeah. and have seen the two yeah. things as being the same. Yeah, but yeah, you see, one has to separate out bitcoins and cryptocurrencies from blockchain. Blockchain is a technology. Bitcoins are the way people use them. You know, so in a in a quite we know a number of uh, a number of uh, technologies here like uh, like nuclear, which can be very badly used, but they can also have very good uses for it. Uh, and so I think it's uh, once a technology like this is available, I think people will use it and see whether whether they can you know uh, they can save money. I mean, ultimately, all technical progress uh, cuts costs and, and and saves money. And and if it doesn't, it won't go anywhere. You know, it's, that is that's another thing about economics that it tells us that if people don't find it profitable, they will stop using it. There's a very interesting thing recently, uh, which uh, I, I I heard uh, uh, um, Mark Carney, the governor of Bank of England, say. He said, "Listen, if I want to make uh, make a small payment, I can do it in the currency. I can use a debit card, and the transaction costs very small. If I want to make a small payment in bitcoins." It takes a lot of time and, and energy, and the transaction costs of making small payments in bitcoins are enormous. You know, something like ten dollars to 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 make a payment because all those you know all those computers have to grind things around. Now, what that says is that bitcoins are not very good as means of payment. They will not they will not replace currency anytime soon. Because the transaction costs are very high, unless the computer technology improves and all that. So right now, bitcoins will only bitcoins and cryptocurrencies will only remain speculative assets. People will buy them for speculation, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, well, people have this fear that bitcoins will replace monetary authorities and bitcoins will, will, will make all currencies outdated. That is rubbish. That's not going to happen. As you say, they're not coins and they're not currencies. Yeah, exactly. They're not money. They're not money. Money has a lot of useful things. Bitcoin, as I said, if they'd not been called coin, if they'd been called tokens, nobody would have taken that idea seriously that Bitcoins are going to replace a, a standard money. Well, I think you've uh, <laughs> you've put our mind at rest, Lord Desai. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Lord Desai, Emeritus Professor at the London School of Economics.